This is the Point of Drew Podcast. Ruthers, it is the Point of Drew podcast. It's your boy B, it's your boy Z. We're back at it again. Uh, after a short hiatus, uh, took some time off, some much needed time away, um, but we're back. We're better than ever. And we're, uh, we're excited to chop it up today. Yeah, definitely excited. And we've got a ton to get into, but you know, first, Barton, I think we owe the listeners here a little bit of an explanation for the hiatus. I mean, we went completely MIA for a couple weeks and just feel like we got to clue the Drupers in on what was going on. So, um, care to explain where you've been? Yeah, uh, I, I think I owe it to the Drupers. We've received numerous inquiries, you know, hey, are you guys alive? What's going on? Um, and the fact of the matter was I was uh, on a little bit of a work trip, I would say. Um, I was out uh, scouting out a new job opportunity um, in Seoul, South Korea. Uh, so definitely a, a new place for me, but um, you know, great experience and uh, it sucked to take some time off, but uh, you know, really was, it was just for the best. Yeah, man, Seoul's gonna be great for you, but care to explain what kind of uh, line of work you'll be doing over in uh, South Korea? Yeah, um, it's, it's a little bit of a new job for me. It's a new line of work. Um, they, uh, the KBO, the Korean baseball organization out there, um, they have a league, very popular. Uh, there's an expansion team coming in, uh, in Jiwoom, the Jiwoom jugglers. And, um, you know, they were hosting tryouts for, for mascot. And, you know, I, of course I've got a talent agent, like most people in my line of work do. Um, and so, you know, my agent called me and said, Hey, we got a big one for you. Uh, we can, we can hook a big old fish for you in Seoul. And I really think you should look up to that, look into this. And so, uh, you know, next thing you know, I'm on a plane headed straight for Seoul and I've been there for a couple of weeks now. Oh, that's going to be perfect for you. I, I can't think of a better mascot than you. Uh, I mean, you're going to nail it in that role, but the jugglers. Uh, yeah, the jugglers, man, they're an up and coming organization too. I think you'll blow up with them. Uh, I mean, outside of, uh, you know, the new line of work over there, uh, you know how the friendships coming along, you getting all, along all right over there in Seoul? Yeah, of course, with the just language and culture, cultural barriers, uh, you know, been pretty isolated to start things out. But um, I found a little bit of a hack, if you will. And, uh, you know, there's not really malls to hang out in Korea or, um, you know, typical parks like here in America. But uh, they do have an abundance of wet markets, man. And um, I'll just go there, you know, 4.35 a.m. in the morning when they're starting to set up. And uh, the people you meet, the conversations you have, I mean, there's really nothing better. Um, I, I feel like I've come back with more friends in, in Seoul than I do in the U.S. sometimes. Oh, wow. I'm glad to hear that, man. I mean, you, you definitely are limited on friends in the U.S., so I'm glad it's working out well for you with the jugglers being the mascot and uh, meeting some friends over there. But with that said, we've been gone for weeks and we have a lot to catch up on, man. There, there's a ton that we've missed out on. We have the Braves winning the World Series. The NBA season is underway and uh, we're actually approaching maybe the, uh, you know, fifth of the season already, almost through it. NFL. We're, we're plugging along a little over halfway through the season now. College football coming up on uh, – 
you know, we're getting the bowl schedule kind of ironed out. Hopefully the, over the last couple of weeks, we'll see, uh, you know, if Georgia stays undefeated, we've missed a lot, but, uh, you know, with that said, you know, where we got to start the episode as always Jersey corner and we're on number 45 this week. Um, a good number here, and uh, I'll let you start it off. Jersey Corner 45, the best athlete to ever rock 45. Give me a couple honorable mentions. It's great to be back at it, and 4-5 did not disappoint. I actually have four honorable mentions this time around, which uh, um, may be the most ever for me. We'll, dump, we'll jump right into them. Uh, first off, I think you knew this one was coming for me. He probably thought he was my winner, Donovan Mitchell. Um, ever since he's entered the league, he's been one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player. Um, he's turned me into a Utah Jazz fan. I've, I've been super impressed with uh, – I called him coming out. I did. I'll, I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it again. I, I did call him out of that stacked rookie class coming out. I, I thought he was going to be great out of Louisville. I think he was drafted 12th or 13th overall towards the end of the lottery, and he, he really has been. His development over the first few years have been – Super impressive, and I, I just hope it continues because it seems like the man. So, uh, Spida is one of my honorable mentions. Um, another one, I got to shout him out, Devin White. Uh, this guy, of course, out of LSU, but I, I really do think he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL, if not the best. Uh, he proved that on the biggest stage in the Super Bowl last year against the Chiefs, making plays all over the field. He's great in coverage. He's great against the run. He can get to the passer. Uh, Devin White can do it all, um, and I think he's got – a Ray Lewis type ceiling at the linebacker position. Um, two more to go through. Dewan Blair won't spend much time on him, but a pit legend. Uh, the guy with no ACLs who made the NBA. Um, he, he was a lot of fun to watch in college and, and even in his short career in the pros. Um, and then the last one, this one was a little bit of a surprise. I almost forgot about it, but Booby Miles, the real life Smash Williams. Uh, the, the, he, he was kind of the initial um, thing that really Friday Night Lights, the TV show and the book we're, we're after, uh, based off of, honestly. Um, and so Booby Williams definitely gets a shot. He wore 45. Uh, next thing you know, Dylan Panthers make a TV show years later, Smash Wars 20. Um, both make honorable mentions. Uh, but Booby Miles, uh, a legend to do it at the number 45. Man, some good honorable mentions there. I mean, uh... I, I was getting started in the same place as you going with Donovan Mitchell easily. He's on this list. Um, Utah Jazz stud. And I, I know we're going to get into some NBA talk and some predictions as well. And uh, this is not the last time in this podcast you will hear uh, Donovan Mitchell's name. So got yeah. some, uh, some foreshadowing here, but definitely deserves to be on that list. Um, I like, uh, like the rest of your shout outs, but I'm going to go a different way with my last honorable mention here. Um, throwing out Bob Gibson, the, uh, longtime St. Louis Cardinal. He played, uh, 17 seasons in the MLB, had an, uh, a great career, uh, over 3000 strikeouts in his career as a pitcher. Um, he really just all around amazing player. Um, super old though, did not, uh, did not uh, play anytime we were ever watching baseball. I think he was born back in the 1930s, played through oh. the uh, late 50s to early 70s, but uh, definitely deserves a shout out. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the, the best pitchers of all time. So uh, Bob Gibson getting a shout out, Donovan Mitchell taking my other honorable mention spot, but 
those are my two guys for 45 so far. Um, interested to see who you got here. Who is your winner? The best to ever wear 45. Yeah, well, before I get into it, I love uh, I really love to hear some good things about Donovan Mitchell. Hopefully positive foreshadowing there. We'll um, see. And then Bob Gibson, a good shout. I have to imagine it's an RIP moment for Bob, but, uh, you know, great, great uh, legend on the mound. Um, and so I guess with that, my winner, Pedro Martinez, another another pitcher, another legend from on the mound. Uh, first really MLB pitcher I can remember. Um he, my favorite thing about him was just kind of, he had pitcher swag before it was even really a thing. Um, just an absolute icon. Uh, there's always, I always think back to the incident when uh, the Yankee skipper Don Zimmer charged the mound and uh, Pedro just absolutely tossed him, um, which was a career defining moment in my opinion. Um, he did plenty over his career on the field, the eight all-stars, three Cy Youngs in four years and a, a world series championship to boot. But um, he's my best to ever do it at 45 for what he did to Don Zimmer that day in Fenway in 03. Uh, there's nothing better than that moment for me uh, in terms of the MLB. So Pedro Martinez is my best to ever do it at 45. Oh, I love that. Uh, and this may be an episode where I tell you right now I'm wrong. I did not even uh, come across Pedro Martinez when I was looking up best players to ever do it. Uh, he is not my winner and not even on my honorable mention list. Um, right now I'm taking the L, but I did go a bit of a, a different way with this winner. Um, I picked the single greatest athlete that ever wore 45, even though this guy only wore it for about 22 games playing the sport that he was the best ever at. And that winner is Michael Jordan wore 45 with the Birmingham Barons when he took his stint in, uh, in baseball. In uh, 1995, came back to uh, the NBA and rocked 45 for about 22 games. Uh, about halfway through the playoffs that year, he made the switch back to 23. Um, but he was the best to ever put on that 45. He may be the best athlete in, uh, of all time. Um, and he rocked 45. So I had to go with Jordan there. Uh, but, man. Now that you threw up Pedro Martinez, I feel bad that this was not a unanimous winner because Pedro has got to be the best that actually wore it for a whole career. So Pedro and Jordan, you know, you never we never thought those two would be on the same jersey corner, but here we are. Yeah. Hey, I mean, decent recovery uh, for not knowing Pedro uh, off the cuff was uh, was a 45 guy. But uh, hey, Jordan. Um, pretty cool story there. So we'll, we'll accept it this time around. Yeah, we will. But, um, you know, that's going to wrap it for Jersey Corner. We got Pedro Martinez and Michael Jordan as the best athletes to wear number 45. Uh, let, let's stay on this baseball topic for a second. But first, a quick word from our friends over at Shug's Bagels. All right, Z, let's play a little game of fact or fiction. Let's do it. Fact or fiction. Shug's has the best bagels, rolls, and wraps south of the Big Apple. Ah, facts. That is correct. One for one. Off to a hot start. Fact or fiction. Shug's recently replaced Wheaties as the true breakfast of champions. <laughs> uh, sounds right to me. Fact. Correct again. He's heating up. Fact or fiction. 
Shug's has the best bagels in all of Texas. Oh, you already know that's big facts. Yes, that is right again, three for three. Shug's Bagels is in fact all of those things and more. And they'll be open all week serving up that ooey gooey goodness. Go check them out in Park City's Village near SMU campus and on social media at Shug's Bagels. Shug's Bagels, the bagel that Texas deserves. All right, like I mentioned, we're sticking on baseball for a second because the Atlanta Braves are World Series champions. What a what a run from the Braves taking it at the end of the day. I mean, a, a pretty fun World Series at the same time. I think almost all of America was rooting against the Astros, but um, the Astros did kind of give the Braves a little bit of a scare going back to Houston for games six and seven, but the uh, Braves were able to take it in six. Tell me what you thought about the series. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, man. I, I always was just waiting for reality to set in, the Braves to run out of steam, and the Astros inevitably catch them and, and kind of ruin the party. But it never happened, man. This Braves team, uh, they were the truth. They kept, they kept it going throughout um, that series, that tough series in the NLCS against the Dodgers. They picked up right where they left off and, and jumped out on the Astros and, and just kind of never looked back. Their bats were – uh, incredible, obviously. Um, guys like Ozzy Albies and Freeman, longtime Braves, getting it done. But uh, the midseason acquisitions they were able to make, Jorge Soler, who was eventually, you know, crowned World Series MVP, um, absolutely huge playoffs for him after doing nothing for the Royals all year. Uh, we don't need to get into that now, but uh, he was terrific. Adam Duvall, they added him. He was terrific. And then Jock Peterson, a guy who – we weren't really sure where his career was headed. Uh, definitely didn't seem to be in the right direction and then completely revitalized uh, on this Braves team. And so, uh, you know, not only did they ball out um, in those last two rounds and, and, you know, deservingly get that title, but, um, you know, man, they, they absolutely had a lot of fun doing it and they were such a fun group to root for. So couldn't be more happy with the, uh, the outcome of that World Series. Couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't have been happier about it. Uh, I have to give a big shout out to our uh, Atlanta Braves resident guest who has come on the podcast before, Logan Bush. Uh, big Atlanta guy, big Braves guy. Um, and lastly, big shout out to uh, lifelong Atlanta Braves fan, Andrew Zahn. Yes, myself. I hopped on the the uh, the bandwagon for the Braves this year, bought myself a nice little Braves hat. Um, so I consider myself a, a champion as well. Um, but the Braves, man, World Series champs. Yeah, got to give uh, LB props. Um, he had been waiting on this for a while, and, and I'm pretty sure he was convinced he wasn't going to get it. So I'm glad uh, I'm glad it came around. And then, you know, you, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll let you uh, hop on the bandwagon this time. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, you know, last point you made it, the last podcast we had, Jersey Corner number 44, our winner was Hank Aaron. Um, you got to believe that that after we ripped Jersey Corner number 44, um, it, it was because of us that the uh, Braves went on to win this World Series. Yeah. The legend. Um, we definitely, Point of Drew podcast is, you know, at least partially responsible for that title, so 
Um, City of Atlanta, however you'd like to repay us, I have some ideas, but if uh, you guys just want to take one for the team and, and, and send us something, that'd be great. Um, but we definitely spoke that into existence, that World Series title on this podcast. So ATL, uh, that one was for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thinking of uh, things we can speak into existence, let's get over to uh, some preseason uh, predictions. Although we're, you mentioned it, we're 15 games into this NBA season, but we really haven't caught much, uh, caught up to speed much on the NBA so far this year on the podcast. Um, but really, now's a good time to kind of dive into it, see what we are speaking into existence, kind of catch everyone up on some of the surprise starts, the craziness that's going on, and get into a, a few, um, you know, individual awards and predictions. Yeah, let's do it. I know you're the uh, the point of Drew NBA expert, so I'm going to be kind of letting you take the lead here. Um, but it's we're 15 games in, roughly. Um, some teams, I think, have jumped out to a surprising start. Uh, some others have not. Um, you know, let's start with the Eastern Conference. Like, who, who have you seen kind of jump out, uh, you know, ahead of schedule here and, and look really solid in the first uh, couple of weeks? Yeah, man. And, you know, uh, it, the NBA, this is exactly what I live to talk about. This is why I do this podcast. So I'm excited to get into it. And I'm excited about the two teams in the Eastern Conference Conference who uh, really have jumped off the page so far to start the season. Those are the Washington Wizards and Chicago Bulls. Uh, the Washington Wizards are, uh, they, they currently have the best record in the Eastern Conference. Only the Warriors right now have a better conference in the entire, or a better record in the NBA. Um, 10 and three for the Wizards. Uh, they've looked really good. A lot of different things clicking. And honestly, Bradley Beal hasn't even hit full stride so far, but, some of the offseason acquisitions and different moves the Wizards made um, are looking like they have been great plays. I, I do think moving off of Russell Westbrook was uh, a good move for them. And in return, they got Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who's been great. Kuzma is playing really well, having uh, his best rebounding season of his career. He had a game-winning three the other night. Um, you've got Montrez Harrell. He's the only player in the NBA that's averaging a double-double off the bench right now. Um, and then on top of that, a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie has come in and is absolutely running the show from the, the point guard uh, role out there. He's playing really well. A guy like Denny Avija, um, you know, he got injured midway through his rookie season last year, but is coming out and playing phenomenal defense. He's uh, been a good distributor on the offensive end as well. And uh, I mean, it really just looks like everything is clicking right now for this Wizards team, and they are far ahead of schedule. I don't think anyone would have guessed that this is the first place team uh, after 13 games of their uh, season. Yeah, man, I, I definitely wouldn't have. Uh, you know, they, I think they were, were they a play playing team, uh, you know, at the end of last yep, year. All of a sudden, exactly. Through 15 games, they're they're uh, they're leading the league and uh, wins. It's pretty wild, and um, <clears throat> a lot of that I think is responsible to Bradley Beal. Um, who would have thought he had? A, everyone was kind of giving him shit for for sticking around in Washington, thinking that was a dead end. But uh, he may have had something figured out uh, with some of the acquisitions they made, some of the young talent they've acquired. Um, you know, he he may be in in the right spot after all. Absolutely, and I think even on top of that too. I mean, it's not just the the players on the floor that are getting it done with some of the new acquisitions. I think Wes Unseld Jr., the new coach there uh, for the Wizards, has been phenomenal to start the season, really kind of just managing that 
um, their roster well. And uh, things are looking good for the Wizards. Uh, we'll see if it, it holds up. But the other team I mentioned there in the Eastern Conference, the Chicago Bulls, looking really nice right now. They have a 10-4 and four record, um, knocking off some good teams lately, coming off a big win last night against the, uh, the Clippers. And then they, they played the Lakers in, in one as well. So, um, I mean, the, the, or sorry, the Bulls are looking really nice. DeMar DeRozan is, is looking like a, the best pickup of the offseason, probably of any player in the league right now. Um, you know, he's right now making the MVP to, uh, early list that are coming out. Um, he's playing that well. Lonzo Ball has been good. Nick, Nico Vucevic, he's been good as well. He uh, is out with COVID right now, but he's been, um, you know, playing really well when he's on the court. Caruso is another big move that the Bulls made and looks like everything's paying off for him right now. They're actually a legit team. I think the Bulls may be a little bit more legit than the Wizards. Um, but the way they're playing right now, their defense, the way they get on transition, the Bulls are a lot of fun. So uh, you think this is sustainable for Chicago? You think when this season wraps up, the, at least the regular season, they're going to be um, in the playoff hunt and maybe even as a contender? Yeah, I don't quite see them as a contender, but they're in that playoff hunt. I don't think they're the two seed. I think stuff will kind of shuffle out but I, I think the Bulls could definitely be a team that avoids the play-in I think they could finish in the top six in the Eastern Conference um, and maybe even get uh, a four or five seed as well so I, I definitely see the Bulls as a, a team who could sustain a lot of the things they're showing right now yep so the Bulls and the Wizards uh, off the hot starts we'll see if they can keep it up out in the east uh couple teams in the East that have not really started very well. Um, who would you say those are? So there, there's three teams who, in my opinion, should be really good teams who have not looked good so far this season. Um, that's the Celtics, who are sitting at 500 right now. Um, the Hawks, who are down at 6-9. and nine, And the 11th place Bucks sitting at 6-8. and eight. Um, you know, obviously the Bucks and the Hawks, those are two teams that made the Eastern Conference finals last year. Both of them are actually sitting outside the playoff picture through the first uh, 14 or 15 games of their seasons. Um, and the Celtics sitting at seven and seven. Um, they have a lot to figure out. The Celtics, uh, I was really high on the MA Udoka hire, thought he was going to be a really good coach, and I still do have a lot of faith in him, but. Um, the Celtics offense has looked all out of sorts. Jason Tatum is honestly taking a step back in what he's been able to do. Um, he has not gotten off to a good start. Now you're starting to hear rumors of Jalen Brown trades, and um, there's clearly no point guard for the Celtics. Dennis Schroeder's not that guy. Marcus Smart can't really handle the point guard responsibility. Um, you're just starting to see a lot of gaps in that roster. Um, and really it's at no fault of the players themselves. I think they're all out there doing their jobs. Um, uh, but that roster construction is just not coming together the way that team would have liked. So the Celtics are back there. I mean, for the Bucs, I do think we can attribute most of it to, uh, most of their, um, shaky start to kind of the injuries they've dealt with. Chris Middleton, Middleton hasn't been out there for the last several games. Drew Holiday miss, missed a long stretch. Um, and they're still probably on a little bit of a championship hangover. So I definitely give them a pass. And then when it comes to the Hawks, uh, I'm not concerned at all yet. They got off to a very similar start last year and 
Um, obviously, there was some some different coaching moves that had to be made after they got off to that shaky start last year. But it was clear the Hawks were able to bounce back quick and make a big run. So it uh, wouldn't surprise me if we see that same kind of mentality out of the Hawks and they can flip that script whenever they need to. You know, gut, gut call right now. Obviously, the Celtics have had some pretty legitimate struggles. Um, lot, lot to fix, uh, as it sounds like. And uh, what are the chances they miss the playoffs this year? Uh, I'd say less than five percent. They're gonna make God, it. They're so gonna make the playoffs. Find the way in. Yeah, they, they, they'll be uh, probably in the play, and I could see them even getting up to like a six, five or six seed. I mean, they're a good team. They're just not as good as they should be or as good as they, uh, you know, even two, three years ago, we were thinking of the Celtics as a team who was probably going to be around the top of the East for years to come, and they'd just never been able to hit on it or actually, um, you know, coalesce anything out of what they've been given. So um, it's just a little disappointing to see. Yeah. So we'll see if the Celts can turn it around. Let's move out West. Uh, what have you seen there so far? Who's looking good and who's uh, who's not looking the part so far? Um, so really only one team in the West who's really jumped off the page, and, and that's the Warriors. The Warriors have looked incredible this season, and uh, it, it's really interesting. They they did things a little bit different this offseason. I think instead of going out and trying to get top talent, they looked at their current situation, look at their current roster, look at what they need, and went out and got a few of the highest IQ guys in the entire league. Um, bringing back a guy like Andre Iguodala, that's huge. Bringing in a smart veteran and Otto Porter has been great. Uh, Nemanja Bieliza has been awesome so far this year. You've got a guy like Gary Payton who you bring in, who's been unreal on the defensive end and is uh, really kind of been a spark off the bench for him. So um, it's clear that the Warriors' plan was maximize our current roster by some surrounding, um, you know, Draymond and Steph with some of the highest IQ guys that you could possibly add to this roster. And, um, you know, Steph is looking like a, a guy who's probably going to lead the league in scoring, is going to be right up there um, when it comes to the MVP conversation. And the scary thing about this team is Clay Thompson hasn't even seen the court yet. Um, even if Clay Thompson only comes back as 85% of his old self, um, you know, adding 85% of the second greatest shooter of all time and a guy who is known to be one of the best defensive wing stoppers in the league to this roster, um, it's going to be scary hours for the rest of the Western Conference. I think the Warriors are legit. They're really good. And uh, things are clicking right now. They're 11 and two. Yeah, I can honestly say this does not feel like uh a regular Warriors team, um, particularly the, those first Warriors teams were, were pretty fun. And then they, they, they got pretty dominant. Um, Steph Clay starting to rattle off those championships. And then they had KD and they really become unfun. Uh, they, they're there every year as a, as a pretty much a write in. And um, then they've had a couple years off, you know, the things kind of got blown up. KD left, Clay got hurt. Um, and this season in particular, man, I, I can't, I can't remember a time when the Warriors were this much fun. Um, they've got young players. They've got vets. Uh, they've got some of the usual characters and Iguodala and Draymond and, and, and Curry. Um, and, man, like you said, I think they've got the best defensive rating so far. Um, they're still getting buckets on the offensive side of the ball. They play um, super smart. They don't turn the ball over. They move the ball really well. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're I think, 
not going anywhere. Uh, their, their start must be for real. Um, but what's a team, conversely, who has not looked the part, uh, who, who's off to a slow start and, and maybe has some real issues? Yeah, so, I mean, there are a couple just, like, teams that you would expect to at least be in the middle of the pack right now in the West who are really falling out. And, you know, a lot of people uh, had a, a favorite in the West who right now is in the seventh seed, and that's the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I didn't buy them from the start. I don't think the roster construction is too well. Uh, I think they're a team that is kind of taking the mentality of just get to the playoffs and then we'll make our run. But I think that's a mentality that's going to hurt the Lakers this year. Um, I think it's going to be tough if they play in the play. And again, wouldn't surprise me if they uh, get knocked off early in the playoffs. And right now they're really struggling. I mean, they're eight and seven. Um, LeBron is coming back from a, a bit of an injury that he's had, but um, you know, when you have a, the, the oldest roster in the league by a good bit, you have to expect injuries. You can't just, uh, you know, blame everything on the injuries. AD is going to get hurt at some point. Russ will probably miss a few games. Um, and the rest of the roster is not winning any games on their own. So I think the Lakers do have some issues. And I think uh, I would start to get a little bit concerned about where the Lakers are headed, what their tra trajectory really is for the season. Um, you know, Russ is off to a really slow start, but we, we know what Westbrook can do. I think he'll turn it around. He'll figure it out. And um, usually it, it does take him a bit to just adjust to a new role, new scenario, new team. But, um, you know, the Lakers have a lot to do to figure out what's going on. Um, one thing I'll say right now is never, ever doubt LeBron James. So I'm not yet riding the Lakers off. But I would say that I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about the way they're playing. Yeah, seven seed is right where they left off last year. But I, I imagine it is quite a bit below expectation from, uh, you know, them internally and the public. So I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Your boy Melo, he's been balling out. I think he's been the bright spot for him. He, he's cooking from behind the three-point line. So it's great to see uh, Melo getting buckets in, uh, in L.A. Um, but I'm sure – you got to think, right? Like a trade is coming at some point where they move some of these other guys and, and, and get like a legit contributor, right? I don't know. I'm not sure if they really can make a trade. I'm not sure if they have pieces that anybody else wants. I mean, it's not like they're going to trade Carmelo Anthony. No one wants a 37 year old Carmelo Anthony as good as he has been for the Lakers. Um, and then you've got guys like Avery Bradley and He's been fine, but he got cut by the Warriors before the season even started. I mean, he was a guy that was not highly revered or sought after. And right now he's not getting the, uh, you know, shine to actually turn into anything. Um, you got a guy like Malik Monk who basically failed his way out of Charlotte. Um, I, I'm still really rooting for Malik Monk and think he uh, still has a lot of upside, but he's got to prove himself before another team's going to take a stab at him. So, I, I do think the Lakers are in a weird place. I think they're going to be rolling with the roster they currently have and um, really not too sure if they have the, the pieces that could actually turn into a big trade. Man, that's scary to think about. Your fingers crossed, I guess, that uh, that Westbrook, that LeBron of all people can find a way to, to turn Westbrook into a winner in the playoffs because we have not seen it to this point. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the truth. I think uh, I, I do trust LeBron. You can't not trust LeBron. He's probably the smartest player that's ever touched a basketball. Um, and I'm not going to doubt him for a second.
It was just, you know, two seasons ago that he took the Lakers team to the championship. He's still got AD by his side. And as long as those two guys are playing together, both out on the court, I mean, this Lakers team still could beat anybody. So uh, I'm not writing them off yet, but I do think that they're a long way from being a polished team right now. Yeah. And in, in, in the Western Conference, no less, which is, historically been you know the pretty the better conference of the west and the eastern conference the the best in the nba but um this year we might be looking at a little bit of a different situation uh the east has jumped out and um you know maybe they don't have some of the the blue chips like the warriors and and uh, some of these other teams in the west but they're deep they've got a uh, quite a few teams all all jockeying for a playoff spot um what have you seen from the eastern conference so far and how it can can compared to the traditional kind of powerhouse in the West. Yeah, I mean, right now the Eastern Conference actually looks better. I think the uh, there's some really good teams in the West, and uh, there's a lot to be solved in the West, but I think the Eastern Conference is going to be the w- way more fun to, to watch this year. I mean, you've got teams like the Wizards and Bulls out of nowhere leading the pack right now. You've got the Bucks and, and the Hawks down in 11th and 12th place. Um, they're truly two bad teams in this Eastern conference and the the magic and the Pistons. Um, But you have 13 teams who are truly fighting for playoff spots. Um, The three teams in the conference that are not Orlando or Detroit that are outside the playoff picture right now are the Pacers, the Hawks and the Bucks. Um, I, I don't have the number on top of my head, but I'd have to imagine it's been at least four or five seasons since the Pacers haven't made the playoffs. Um, obviously the Hawks and the Bucks were both in the Eastern conference, uh, finals last year. And then the playoff teams right now are Toronto, Boston, Charlotte, and Philly, um, or the play in teams are, are those four. So, um, those are four teams that, you know, the Philly was the one seed last year, the Raptors didn't make the playoffs, but they won a, a championship just last year. So, um, I mean, the, the East is crazy. I tr- truly think that we're going to be watching it all year. I think one through 13 is going to be a, a different uh, seating every single day. Um, it's almost not even worth just hitting refresh on NBA.com to check the seedings every single day. Uh, they just got to play this thing out until the final day of the season to see what's going to happen in the East. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what teams stick around, who's legit, see if there's any validity to, to where the Bucks and Hawks are sitting right now. And um, it's going to be fun to see if a team like Charlotte or the, the Cavs who are in fifth place right now, see if those teams can actually stick around, hang on to where they're sitting and uh, maybe even make a run. So really, really fun. A lot going on in the East right now. Yeah. We're going to have to watch how that playoff race unfolds. Uh, it really is cool to see teams like Charlotte and Cleveland and, you know, like you said, Washington, Chicago, teams that have not traditionally been there, uh, you know, near the top of the table, um, looking like legit playoff teams so far. And so we'll see if they can sustain it. Um, and, and it'll be a lot of fun to watch how this East plays out. But a team that's not in the East and a team that I know is, is, is very near and dear to your heart, um, the Portland Trailblazers um, have not gotten off to the best start. Um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of time to vent. Uh, unpack it all let us know what your thoughts are so far and and for the rest of the year kind of what the outlook is yeah so um I mean there's not a whole lot to talk about they're not crazy 
you know, looking crazy different from what I expected. I think I expected a slow start. I wasn't expecting anything impressive. Um, and really the question that's on every Blazers fan mind right now is, is it time to blow this thing up? Do we first try and trade CJ, see if there's anyone we can bring in that could help uh, play alongside Damian Lillard, get him the help he needs, or is it time to just fully lean into it, ask Dame if he wants out, see where he wants to go and make it happen? Um, we clearly do not have a roster that is anywhere near, um, you know, contender level. We don't have a, a coach who I trust at all. I don't think Chauncey Billups was the right guy for the job. Um, Neil Olshay, the general manager, is under investigation for creating a toxic workplace and just being an overall horrible guy. But on top of that, he's been a horrible GM for the past several years as well. He's not done anything to make this team better in the offseason. And, um, you know, the Blazers right now are uh, in the play in in the ninth seed with a seven and eight record. And that feels just about right. They are right where they they should be in terms of the talent this roster has and the way they're playing. Um, just not a lot of uh, upside going on in Portland right now. It's tough to hear. Um, you hate to hear the, the kind of miscues from management and then the encore product has not been maybe what you'd hope, but probably a little bit of what you've expected. Um, so potentially changes coming in Portland. You hate to see it, um, but sometimes it's for the best. Um, so we'll see what happens as, as that plays out. Um, before we finish up here on the NBA, we didn't have a chance to do it before the season. Uh, that's on me. I was out chasing my dream. Um, but the fact that we can come back here a couple weeks in, uh, we're still not going to give up. We're going we're gonna to make a few predictions. You're going to make a few predictions. Um, and so we'll just run through the usual slate. We'll go MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, um, an Eastern Conference Finals matchup, a Western Conference Finals matchup, and then predict the finals. So um, we'll start here, MVP. Uh, I think I not, might know where you're going with this, but who do you have uh, taking this one? There's three, three names in this conversation right now. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Nikola Jokic. The uh, 2022 NBA MVP is going to be the exact same guy who won it in 2021. It's This award has Jokic written all over it. He's been the best player in the league this season without a doubt. Um, he's taken a massive step forward on the defensive end of the, of the court, looking really competent on the defensive end right now. Um, and if he adds that to his game, geez, he truly is the best player in the league. So MVP, I'm going Jokic. And, um, you know, I think Curry and KD can hang around that conversation. But at the end of the day, I don't expect it to be that close. I think it's Jokic. I'd be excited to see him take a, take home another MVP. So I like that. I thought you were maybe going D Mitch there, but we'll see where else uh, he might fit in. Um, <laughs> Coach of the year is next. Who you got? Coach of the year is going to be Tyron Lue. I love what he's doing with the Clippers right now. Um, the Clippers are, are currently the sixth seed after losing a game uh, earlier this week. So they're eight and five, but I actually think the Clippers have been playing really, really well. Um, and, and I actually expect them to finish possibly even in the top four in the Western Conference. Um, and, and who knows? I mean, the way Tyron Lue's coaching this squad, you've got guys like Reggie Jackson playing phenomenal. Um, Paul George has been really good, but on the couple off nights he has, there have been guys that are really stepping up, like um, Nick Batum. You've got Luke Kennard has had a few big games. 
Um, and I, I truly do think we've reached a point where you can't have a conversation about the top five coaches in the league without including Tyron Lou on that list. Uh, Tyron Lou has been that good. And I think finally he deserves his shine right now. And I think this year is going to show it. And I'm really hoping that the, the Clippers get to a spot where they're heading into the playoffs with home court advantage. There's a path for them. And uh, who knows, maybe Kawhi sees that and, and decides he's healthy enough to come back and play. And the Clippers really could do anything at that point. But I think getting the, the Clippers to that point is really uh, up to Tyron Lue. And I think there's a good path for him to bring home coach of the year. Makes a lot of sense, man. Everyone was writing them off, the Clippers off with uh, Kawhi not playing at all or expected to not play at all this year. And uh, the fact that they're still in the hunt and you think that they can kind of sustain it all the way into the playoffs. That's a, a tribute to Tyron and his coaching job. So I'm excited to see if he can if he can make that happen for uh, coach of the year. Um, next one, rookie of the year, who you like? 15 games into the season, there are two names on this list, Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes. Um, both of them coming into the draft were guys I did actually really like. Um, and, and I loved the Scotty Barnes pick in Toronto. He's been so much fun this year. He's shooting the ball really well. He's playing great defense. He uh, is doing everything right. He's been Toronto's leading scorer in several games this season. Um, it looks like he's in a really good spot. So it'll be interesting to see how he continues the rest of the season. But the start he's had right now definitely is rookie of the year worthy. But I think the winner of rookie of the year this year is going nowhere else but Evan Mobley. The way Mobley's played, especially on the defensive end of the ball, is far, far ahead of where any rookie should be. He is truly looking like a guy who, who should get defensive player of the year consideration as a rookie. And it wouldn't even surprise me if he made an all defensive NBA team as a rookie this year. Um, he's been incredible on that end of the ball. And his offensive game is looking pretty nice as well. There have been a couple of big games for him this year. Um, but really his versatility on the defensive end of the ball is, is what's going to do it for him. Having an elite skill like that already as a rookie um, is putting him on a really good path, putting this Cavaliers team in a really good spot ahead of their timeline. And uh, I, I think Mobley is really showing that he should be the rookie of the year and the best rookie coming out of this class. Man, that's some high praise for the, for the youngster. Uh, yeah. consideration for defensive player of the year um, that'd be something else as a rookie I'm, I can't imagine that's been done before but um, man I, I, I'm not surprised we knew he was going to be good you you said it many times in the draft process that Mobley was the truth um, great to see Scotty Barnes playing well too that's not a guy that I was very sold on uh, I watched him a, a good amount during his time in college and did not seem to have the developed offensive game you need in the uh, NBA, but that has not seemed to be an issue. He stepped in in stride and um, is knocking down a shot well, as well as uh, um, moving well within the Toronto offense. So it's good to see um, he's off to a good start as well. Uh, we'll break it down from here. Eastern Conference, Western Conference Finals. Let's see. Let's hear it. Eastern Conference Finals, uh, I'm going back to the series that we were all looking forward to in the uh, playoffs last year and got it. And uh, you saw a crazy series, and I'm hoping we get a rematch of it, Nets-Bucks. I think the Nets and the Bucks are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference, um, and I think we're going to see them square off in the Eastern Conference Finals. 
Um, I know both of them have looked a little bit shaky right now. We have no idea what's going on with Kyrie, if he'll ever be back. Like I mentioned, the Bucs are out of the playoff picture right now. But at the end of the day, the two best teams in that conference are no doubt the Bucs and the Nets. So I expect them to face off. Wow. Going away from Miami, heat culture. Yeah, I mean, I love the Heat. The Heat have been awesome this year. They're really fun. I think Bam Adebayo is the best defensive player in the league. Jimmy Butler's really doing his thing. Kyle Lowry getting added to that roster has been incredible. He's been just really awesome, and he hasn't even been scoring much. He's doing every little thing, um, which is exactly what you expected from the Heat culture there. But um, I think the Heat are a really good team, but they're not better than the Nets or the Bucks. Right on. Western Conference Finals. Western Conference Finals. This one is tough. Uh, I, I don't know who my second team is. I think it is wide open. I think the Warriors could make it. I think there's an outside chance that the Nuggets make it if Jamal Murray comes back and the Nuggets are in a good spot when he does. Um, same thing with the Clippers. If the Clippers come back um, and maybe Kawhi feels like he's healthy enough to play, who knows, the Clippers could make a little bit of a run in the playoffs. But the one team I am pretty confident is going to be there at the end of the day is the Utah Jazz. This is where we're going to hear Donovan Mitchell's name again is because he is going to be playing in the Western Conference Finals. I think the Jazz are getting over the hump in the playoffs this year. Rudy Gobert has been off to the best start of his career. Um, still have a lot of faith in their, their bench guys in Jordan Clarkson or Joe Ingles. Um, I think Royce O'Neal still does a really good job at, at what he does defending the wing. He's obviously not a, one of those elite wing guys, but he does enough to, to sneak by. And they've got some more help on the wing as well with like Rudy, Go, or, um, Rudy Gay this year. He's been playing really well. That was a big addition for the Jazz. Um, and, and then, you know, if Mike Conley is able to stay healthy and he can get his, his groove going, uh, I do think the Jazz get over the hump this year and actually see a Western Conference Finals. Man, you know I love to hear that. Uh, that's my squad. So uh, I've been waiting a while for them to get over the hump. They've been close. Last season was pretty devastating. Um, them jumping out to that big lead in the first half of game seven and then Terrence Mann taking over, Clippers taking them down. Um, so I'd love to see the Jazz uh, make that Western Conference Finals leap. Um, they got Rudy G squared, one uh, down low, one on the perimeter. So, I mean, I think they're, they're stocked and ready to, to make the jump this year. So I, I really hope that uh, prediction comes true. Um, finals matchup, who are you taking to win it all? Yeah, to wrap up our, our NBA section of the podcast, my finals prediction, Jazz Nets. I think we're going to see it. I think the Jazz <laughs> get there. I think the Nets get there. We know the Nets probably have the, the most upside of any team we've seen in the, the NBA since the KD, Steph, Warriors. Um, I think the Nets are that good. I think James Harden's going to really get it turned around, get it figured out. Kevin Durant could be the best player in the league. Um, you know, and if Kyrie's able to come back and play at any point, uh, uh, this team's unstoppable to me. I think the Nets win it. Yep. It's a good call. I think it's it's probably the right call. We'll see though. Time will tell. We'll be uh we'll be there to check in along the way. Plenty of updates and uh, of course when when the playoffs do arrive and the finals do arrive, um, we'll be here again to break it all down. That is unless I'm 
uh, unless I do land my new gig, which, you know, it is a possibility, but uh, until then um, we'll be chopping it up. Absolutely. We'll keep everybody up to speed with what's going on there. And, um, you know, it's early in the NBA season. We have no idea what's going to happen, but kind of feels the same way in the NFL, Barton. I have no idea what is going on. Uh, it feels to me like there's almost no good teams right now. Um, the playoffs, I have no idea who's in, who's out. I don't know what to think. Um, just tell me, what, where's your head at with the NFL so far this season? Switching over to the football side of things here. Just give us a quick update on, on some things you've seen over the last couple of weeks, what your general feel is. Um, catch us up to speed. It's been a wild year, as it seems to be every year. Uh, but, yeah, the, the t- I would say the, the biggest trend to look at so far um, and how it relates to the NFL and the playoffs is, is just how different the two conferences look. Uh, over halfway through the season. Um, on one side of the coin, the AFC uh, has no real uh, favorite that's emerged. Tennessee's got the best record, but uh, Derrick Henry out for the year, I don't think a lot of people have that much faith in them to um, you know, remain really that true contender, that true number one team. Um, you know, there's a host of teams at the top. Our Chiefs have rebounded um, and, and won three in a row to get back to six and four. The, the Ravens and Lamar are there again. Uh, of course, Josh Town and the Bills, um, you know, they're going to be there. And then you've got teams like uh, the Pats, who have looked really good, the Steelers, uh, teams like the Chargers and the Bengals who are up and coming with their two rookie QBs. So um, really no one's emerged uh, as, as a favorite in the AFC, but there are a lot of good teams, um, 12 teams. So 12 of the 16 uh, AFC teams are actually over 500, 500 or better at this point, um, which is a stark difference uh, from the NFC, which uh, has looked the complete opposite really. Um, you've got multiple contenders at the top. Uh, Green Bay's looked incredible. Aaron Rodgers has been great. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys and, and, and Dak Prescott have have looked great, uh, uh, really on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Um, you've got Brady and the Bucks, and then you've got two teams in the uh, NFC West with the Arizona Cardinals and, and the Los Angeles Rams, who I think a lot of people think are both legit contenders. So you've really got five teams in the NFC, um, maybe five of the best teams in the NFL at this point in time. Um, I think you can honestly make the case that the top five in the NFC are the top five in the NFL. Um, and, and so they've got a bunch of contenders, a bunch of blue chippers, um, and then a bunch of bad teams. Uh, the majority of this league, uh, you're looking at over, over half, uh, have far below 500 record. Um, even a team that is jockeying for the seven seed, there's, there's three wild card spots this year. So, um, a seven seed in the NFC, they could probably have a losing record. Uh, that might get it done. That's how bad the conference is. So um, they look pretty different at this point in each conference. There's um, been some surprises in both. There's been some, you know, teams we thought would be good or that, that are good. Um, but yeah, I'd say at this point in time, it's just it's just interesting to see uh, the NFC with all these contenders and the AFC with still quite a bit to go in terms of who's actually good and who isn't. Yeah, man, I'm glad you caught us up that way. And it really is panning out to be a really crazy year in the NFL. I don't remember a season where it just felt this wide open. I know for the the past two years, at least, it's felt like, okay, it's the Chiefs to lose. Um, Before that, it was Patriots, Patriots, Patriots. There have been a a couple of years where, you know, the Rams were clearly the favorite out of the the NFC. 
Um, but this year it just feels wide open. I have no idea what's going on, but uh, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. Let's uh, I'm going to structure this a little bit the same way that you asked me some of the NBA questions. Um, and, and, you know, you brought up my Blazers, had me uh, give a little rant on my Blazers. But now I want you to give a little rant on the Chiefs. Um, we've been up and down all year on the Chiefs, going back and forth, wondering where they're at. Are they legit? Do they suck? Are they missing the playoffs? Are they going to come back and win the Super Bowl? I have no idea what to think. Uh, but but share with the Druthers here, where are you at with the Chiefs right now? It's been up and down. Um I'm still not fully in on them. I, I I've I've kind of had more faith than most as most as a Chiefs fan. Uh, this fan base, for whatever reason, has kind of grown to become entitled and just sells out immediately once the team plays a couple bad games. Uh, the Chiefs, I, I still think, have a good chance to um, to win the division. I I do think they're a playoff team, um, just given what they can do on on the offensive side of the ball. The offense, though, Pat. I mean. Pat Mahomes has not looked himself this season. Uh, and, and a lot of that's just because teams have figured out a way to neutralize him to a degree. Uh, you know, they, they call putting a, a, a top on the defense or, or really kind of putting a roof over them um, where there's, they play two high safeties and, and they just make, make everything go underneath. Um, and, you know, you saw it most recently, the Chiefs kind of getting back on track with this win against the Raiders, 41 to 14 on Sunday night. Um, and the Chiefs finally just said, hey, we're not going to we're not going to continue. Really, it's all Pat. You know, he's got to settle down and just take what he's given. Go underneath to the running back, go underneath to Kelsey, um, take the small, small uh, chunk gains here and there and just work your way down the field with these long drives and score. And don't turn the ball over in the red zone. That's what would happen all the time, too. It's been a mix this year on offense of Pat getting restless and trying to throw it to uh, a flooded secondary and getting it picked off or tipped or something going on. Um, but it's also been he is patient and gets all the way down the field and then just makes a stupid play in the red zone. We saw it countless times this season um, where the Chiefs just cannot take care of the ball in the red zone. Um, and a lot of that's just been careless air from Pat. So I think, you know, he's kind of settling in and realizing, hey, uh, these, this new way these defenses are going to play me, I have to change myself. I have to change my mindset in terms of how I attack the defense, about how I go about game planning. Um, and he's got a great asset in Andy Reid as a head coach with him that I think, uh, you know, they're going to be able to get on the same page. There's still two Hall of Fame playmakers in Tyree Kill and, and Travis Kelsey. So I do think the offense – I really like what I'm seeing the last couple of weeks, and I think they're going to turn it around. They're, they're well on their way. Um, that said, the defense still has real issues. I think it's more personnel-based than anything. Uh, I think it's really helpful. Chris Jones started the year outside. That made no sense to me. He's one of the most disruptive, best players in the NFL uh, when he's in the middle, when he's playing defensive tackle. Uh, we tried to do this gimmicky bullshit where we put him out on the edge this year. Um, and it just didn't work. We did not get pressure. We were worse in the run game um, and in the pass game, quite frankly. And so uh, the fact that we were able to sign a guy like Melvin Ingram, who, um, you know, a lot of people thought his career was over due to injury, but hey, I still think the guy can play. Um, we're going to need more of a Frank Clark on the edge, but we, we put Chris Jones back in the middle, and that's a step in the right direction. I think we got players in the secondary that can make plays, um, so I'm less worried about them. The linebacking core is always going to suck. 
that's just quite frankly personnel. But, um, you know, there's ways to mitigate that uh, with pass rush, with good secondary play. And so um, I'm, I'm less optimistic about the defense. I still think there's that's a lot of patchwork and it's going to come down to Spagnola running the right scheme to maximize the players that we do have. But um, I think this team is a playoff team and I still think they've got a great chance sitting here and halfway through in first place to, to win the division in the AFC West and get back in a, in the playoff on in the really an AFC that's no one's been able to capitalize on these uh, missteps from the chiefs. They're still right there for them. And so um, it's been a weird year, but uh, you know, there's still a great chance the chiefs can, can come out of the AFC and, and back to the Super Bowl for the third straight year. I like the optimism and I think I'm starting to buy into some of this chiefs optimism lately. I think they've got a huge test coming up this week um, against the Dallas Cowboys at home. Um, so that's going to be a big and very telling game for the Chiefs, in my opinion. But I'm starting to buy into things uh, turning around a little bit with the Chiefs. But uh, moving on now, similar to how, um, how we did the slightly late season predictions in the NBA, I want to do a couple very late predictions in the, uh, for, for NFL from you. Right now, uh, I have no idea who my pick would be, but who, who's your NFL MVP? So this one's tough. Um, there's a couple guys kind of at the top between Kyler and Josh Allen, but um, I'm going with the team that I think is going to get first place and uh, the number one seed in the NFC, and I think they're really going to turn it on in the second half, and I think this guy's going to be the number one reason why. I'm going with Dak Prescott. Um, I just think uh, despite having a, a guy like Mike McCarthy and, and his facial structures or head coach, I, I do think he's going to um, succeed despite all odds and, and really just ball out the rest of this year. He's played well. He's got his Cowboys at 7-2. and two. Um, They've got the best one of the best point differentials in the NFL, um, so they've, they've, they've looked good, but I really think, you know, he, he's going to, things are going to coalesce for them in their offense down the stretch. Uh, Dak's going to be firing on all cylinders um, and they're going to do what they can to, to get that number one seed in the NFC, get that by. Um, and I think that's enough. It's a regular season award, like you said. Um, and so I think that'll be enough to get Dak a narrow win over some of those other contenders like a Josh Allen, like a Kyler Murray and like an Aaron Rodgers. Man, I love that. That's uh, that would be really fun to see. Um, I mean, Dax looks Dak looks like he's in a, in a good spot to do that. So, um, very well could happen. Um, let let's hop to some playoff uh, talk right now. Um, AFC, who is going to the AFC AFC Championship game? Man, really putting me on the spot. I was not was not prepared to. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know, you weren't prepped for this, uh, but. I want to do a put you on the spot here. I want some predictions out of you. Yeah. So in the, uh, in the AFC, it's tough, man. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go Buffalo. Uh, I'm going to say they're going to take on Baltimore um, in, uh, in the AFC championship game. I, I think Buffalo gets Kansas city. Um, and we saw that game a couple weeks ago. It's it's really just a mismatch. Uh, Buffalo's done what they needed to to get the pass rush to, to bother Mahomes, and 
Uh, they just don't have a lot of weaknesses on the offensive side of the ball. And so I do think it'll be a lot closer of a game, but I do think Buffalo finds a way to beat Kansas City. Um, and, and Josh Allen will, uh, you know, make the uh, his first uh, AFC title game. And then I think they, they end up taking on Lamar in Baltimore, um, for it, which will be a, a, a quite a fun game, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I actually think Baltimore's getting over that hump this year. I think Baltimore wins a couple of playoff games and, uh, I actually expect Baltimore to make the AFC championship game as well. So I, I'm on board with that pick from you. How about on the NFC side of things? Who is going to be the two teams at the end of the day who survive all the way to the NFC championship game? Yeah, and I, this one's tough because I would have said before last night, I would have said the Los Angeles Rams are going to the NFC championship game. but Bad loss on Monday night. Good. Something, yeah, they, they get kind of destroyed on Monday night by, by the 49ers. Something just feels off with this team where it's McVay and all these guys, like they've gotten Odell and um, Stafford, and, you know, they're, they're just so bought in on this year. And I think that added pressure really can hurt them. Um, so I actually think it's, it's going to be uh, Tom Brady back at it again, uh, and he's going to be taking on Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I like the Packers a lot. They've been terrific. Uh, I think we get another Rodgers Brady duel. Um, and Brady's gotten the best of them many times. I mean, he'll do it again. Uh, that one should be fun. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Dallas hosts the Rams in a game that, you know, will probably have the highest television rating ever. Uh, and I, and I think the Cowboys get it done at home and, and, and make the, uh, the NFC championship game take on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Wow. Bold pick, but probably the right pick. I love that. I, I mean, I do still think the Rams, um, you know, you mentioned they are bought in on this season. Guys like Von Miller are on the roster now. I, I think they have the highest upside in the league, um, but they haven't put it all together yet. I think Tom Brady is still just quietly doing his thing. He's actually leading an MVP poll I saw today. Wouldn't surprise me if uh, Tom Brady and that Buccaneers team make it back to the Super Bowl. Um, so I expect them to be there. And um, you could be right about this Cowboys team, especially if uh, Dak really turns it on the way you're saying he might. Um, that would be a fun game and a really fun uh, race in the, the NFC. So love that pick. But at the end of the day, um, let's hear it. Your Super Bowl prediction. We're halfway through the season already, a little over. Um, I can't remember who you picked preseason, but where are you at now? I think, I think preseason, you and I both picked a rematch between the, uh, the Bucks and Chiefs. Um, where are you at with it right now? I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction. Uh, I, I do like the Bucks coming back out of the NFC. Um, Dallas has looked really good. I just think Brady makes enough plays in that game to somehow get him back. Um, it'll be insane if that does actually happen, but I'm going Bucks bills. I think the bills are just honestly the most complete. They don't have any holes really. Obviously they lost to the Jags, but I think uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I think every team is entitled to, uh, you know, one bad performance, even though that's pretty inexcusable. And so um, I just don't think they have a lot of holes. I think they've got a good coach. I think they had a good quarterback, which I think are the two most important things. And then the rest of the roster is just really solid. Uh, and I think you can say the same about the Bucks. I don't think you can say the same about the uh, the Cowboys, obviously. And 
Um, not so much the Raiders as well. I'm, I don't trust Lamar enough in those big situations against a pretty stout defense in the Bills. So yeah, I'm going. Uh, I'm going Bills and Bucks, and, I, and I'm, I'm thinking the uh, Orchard Park in in uh, this Bills Mafia. They they get their uh, their first Super Bowl title in, in quite a while. Um, so yeah, I think if anyone's going to take it home this year, it's going to be Buffalo. Man, gun to my head, life on the line. I'm riding with you. I've got that same pick. I'm going Bills, Bucks. Uh, it's exciting. I think those two teams deserve to be there. And at the end of the day, I think we're going to get what we deserve. I think Bills, Bucks, we're headed for that showdown. So, like that pick. I like uh, how we're on the same page there. But that's going to wrap it for the NFL part. Um, but we do have to get to our week 11 bets. Um, and the rest of the way, we're going to keep track of this. We're going to keep track of the picks and we need the listeners to help us out with this one. We need to choose a punishment for the loser over the rest of the season with our NFL picks, four picks a week. We'll tally them up. We'll keep track of this. Um, and the loser is going to have to do something. So Druther's out there, send us some ideas. Um, you know, I'm pretty confident I'm going to win this. So make them bad. Let's really bring it out. Uh, see what Barton has to do if he loses. Um, but with that said, week 11 bets will start off Thursday night. We have the New England Patriots, a six and a half point favorite at the Atlanta Falcons. Barton, you're up first with that one. What way are you going? Man, I, uh, it's funny that we got a restart because I was up so big uh, uh, when, when we uh, when we ended things last on the pick. So that's uh, that's fitting. Now that we got some stuff on the line, though, I like that you're confident. Um, but I, I'm going to win this one, and I'm going to start it off this week with the win. I'm taking Atlanta um, at home, the home dog to cover the six and a half points against the Patriots. Let's go the opposite way from the jump, man. I'm all over New England on this one. Atlanta is. Whew, what a bad loss last week. Got absolutely smoked. Um, pretty embarrassing. And New England coming off a massive win. New England's looking really good. I think New England wins this one by a touchdown at least. Uh, I've got New England covering that six and a half. Nice. Uh, so that's Thursday night, Sunday night, or at least Sunday marquee game. This one, uh, I think everyone's looking forward to talk about a high TV rating. This one's going to kill it. Uh, Dallas Cowboys are visiting our Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs open up as two-point favorites. Who you got? So this one is going to be a very high TV rating, like you said. However, I will not be one of the ones watching this game on TV. I will be in Arrowhead to watch the Chiefs win this game by two or more points. The Chiefs are covering the spread. The Chiefs are going to get their biggest win of the season at the time they need it most. They really are bouncing back right now. They've got momentum on their side, and I think they're one big win away from really getting back in some of the conversations where they truly belong. The Chiefs get it done in Kansas City this week. I'll be there in the stands watching it happen. Chiefs cover. You will be in attendance. I didn't realize that. I was going to pick the Chiefs, but then I realized you're going to be there, so I got to go the other way. <laughs> I don't think you're going to do us any favors, man. Um, you're going to see a devastating loss maybe by uh, a few scores. Um, oh. I'm, I'm taking Cowboys big in this one. Oh, man, you're killing me, man. That's tough to hear, but we disagreed on both of them so far, going opposite ways. Um, but the Sunday night game, 
We have the Arizona Cardinals coming off a massive win, a two and a half point favorite at Seattle. Where are you going with this one? I think Russ is due for a bounce back. He had that ridiculous video and just complete media montage of all these different things after like a three week injury and lays flat on his face, doesn't score a point against the Packers and Lambeau. I do think he will bounce back this week though. So I like Seattle um, to cover the, uh, the two and a half against Arizona at home. I like disagreeing with you on the first two, but I'm riding with you on this one. I actually do think um, exactly what you said. I think Russ is going to bounce back. I just fully don't trust Arizona. Um, you know, they're no doubt a very good team, but I just can't fully trust them. And I do think Seattle is just due for, um, you know, one of their wins this season that make people say, oh, are they still in the chase? Can they still stick around, compete in the toughest division in football? Um, so I think Seattle does end up covering that two and a half point spread. Yeah, and we'll wrap things up Monday night. This one's a fun one. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are visiting the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Chargers open up as four and a half point favorites at home. I've got the Chargers. They're covering. Um, the Chargers have looked a little shaky the past couple of weeks, and I'm still just not sure what the Chargers are as a team. Um, but they're better than Pittsburgh. They're going to be at home. Pittsburgh's traveling halfway around the world just to get to L.A., and I think at the end of the day, uh, Chargers come out of this one on top. I'm not super confident about this pick, um, but I am going to go with the Chargers here. I'm going a different direction. Pitt may be traveling cross country, but they're going to have a home home crowd uh, out in L.A. Um, with how many Steelers fans make that trip. Uh, and guess what? The Steelers have a guy by the name of Najee Harris. Uh, and the Chargers have the worst run defense in the entire NFL uh, over halfway through the year. And so I think Najee, big game on the ground, big game through the year. Uh, fantasy overs of Najee Harris will not be sorry um, come next Monday night. I think he absolutely balls out. Uh, and I think Pitt gets a narrow win over this team and definitely covers the four and a half points, Red. Wow, I love that. I mean, be bold with it. I, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens there. Uh, but regardless, we, uh, we're going a different direction on three of these four picks. I've got New England. You've got Atlanta in the Thursday night game. I've got KC. You've got Dallas in the Sunday marquee. We're both riding Seattle in the Sunday night game this week. And then I'm going with the Chargers, and you are going with Pittsburgh on Monday night. We'll have to see how this one plays out. We'll start keeping tally. We'll see how we start this week. But I'm excited to get into it, ready to watch week 11. Um, a lot of exciting stuff right around the corner, man. Man, I'm excited to hear what the Druthers come up with for this punishment. I think it's going to be really, really bad, whatever it is. And, and that's going to suck when you're going to have to do it. Yeah, I, I could see uh, after you lose, uh, your, your punishment could result in jail time or worse. Um, so, <laughs> could be really rough for you. It could actually probably, uh, you know, end this whole move to Seoul. Uh, they may not even let you in South Korea after this. So um, you better get your shit together. You better get your picks ready because I'm coming ready. Um, I stay ready. And uh, we'll just have to see how this thing plays out. All right. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be back here next week. 
um, maybe with the punishment, maybe not. We'll see how the uh, the truthers respond. But um, you know, we'll be back to break it all down. We'll, we'll come back with NFL recap of uh, of Week 11 and and probably a little bit more. Probably some new lined up guests coming up here in the next few weeks as well. Uh, another trivia episode in our future. So stay tuned for those developments. But uh, um, it's been great getting back in the booth, man. Uh, fun chopping up with you. Man. Absolutely. Fun as always. We appreciate everybody tuning in, everybody that's rocking with us, everybody that's down with the pod. We appreciate you guys. Stay real, keep it real, and we will be back soon. Peace. Peace.